I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Get your coffee and your Bible and join me as I think with my mouth open. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible and Page. I'm Paige, your caffeine-imbued host, and here is my caffeine. And they all cried with great joy in the beginning coffee, and lo, it was very good. Well, today, we are going to continue on our jaunt, but it's Monday, so that means I'm going to be discussing a topic of... Um, along the lines of what I believe. In January, I talked about what I believe about salvation. February, I've decided it would be what I believe about Jesus. And uh, as I was preparing, I read something on the internet that bothered me and got under my skin. I'm not going to lie. Somebody wrote something to the effect of, I find it hard to believe the story of Jesus when the authors of this story waited 30 to 50 years after the life of Jesus to write it down. I'm not going to lie. That statement bothered me a lot. But one thing I've learned in my 68 years of living is that when something bothers me, my immediate response after being bothered, is to step back and try to look past the emotion of the moment and find out why it is that I'm bothered by this thing, whatever it is. Why was I bothered? Well, this person was attacking the reliability of the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, and I viewed this as an attack on something that I believe and that I hold dear. And that's why I took it personally, because I love the Bible. And so that's the emotional reason I was upset. But when I step back and look at it, I have to admit, this guy is not wrong. The Gospels were written 20, maybe up to 60 years after the fact. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written probably before AD 50 or around there, with the Gospel of John possibly being written as late as the AD 90s. With that being the case, I readily, like I said, I readily admit He's not wrong. The Gospels were indeed written 20, 30, even 60 years after the fact. But is that reason enough to call them unreliable or unbelievable? I'm 68 years old as of this podcast. Well, almost 68. There are events that happened in my life that were very impactful and memorable. For instance, the Good Friday earthquake occurred when I was seven. I was in Alaska at the time. I remember that day as if it were yesterday. 
I remember the whole house shaking. I remember seeing the sidewalk waving like a ribbon in the wind. I remember seeing telephone poles snapping back and forth. I remember the peas on my dinner plate jumping up and down like they were doing a little dance. I could write a paper today on what I remember of that day. And it would be accurate. Why? Because that day was eventful. It was memorable. That day impacted me. I can remember my first girlfriend in high school. She's my first real girlfriend. She was my first love. I can remember what it was like when I met the girl who would later become my wife. I remember our first dance, holding her hand the first time. I can remember the day of our wedding with great detail. I can remember the birth of my children again with great detail. Now, I could tell all those stories today with a high degree of accuracy. Why? Because those were days that impacted my life, changed my life, made an impression. It makes very, it takes very little effort to remember those things. Well, the disciples were impacted by their time with Jesus. You can only imagine that, right? I can only imagine what it must have been like to see Jesus heal a leper, to raise Lazarus from the dead, to raise up Jairus' daughter. I would think seeing demons come screaming out of the bodies that they possessed would have been considered impactful. Let's add another layer here. Not only would it be easy to remember years after those things, these specific events, because they had impacted them, consider what happened with the disciples after Jesus had returned to heaven. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, what did the disciples do? Well, they started preaching. Well, what did they preach? Well, they preached what Jesus taught them in the three and a half years they spent with him. In doing so, they were continually reminding themselves of the things that Jesus taught them, continually reminding themselves of the things that Jesus did. They were continuously preaching and talking about all the things they experienced while with Jesus. So, they were continually refreshing their memory. It wasn't like they just sat down 20 years later and said, you know, that's a great story to tell. We, somebody ought to write this down. No. They were telling that story over and over and over again in their preaching as they took the gospel out to the ends of the world. That's the story the disciples had to tell. They were telling the gospel story before it was ever written down, reminding themselves and each other continually. The fact that they wrote it down 20 years later doesn't make their story any less accurate or relevant, in my opinion. I don't have a problem believing that the gospel writer's version of the life of Jesus is accurate. I don't have a problem believing that it's reliable. I know that the things that matter to me in my life, I remember with a great degree of accuracy. And I believe that's the same case with these disciples who wrote the gospel. As a result, after examining what this man had said about not trusting the story of Jesus because it was written down 20 years after the fact, I just walked away from that discussion. It wasn't a discussion I was invited into anyway, so I just walked away from it. In the end, though, I'm grateful for criticism such as his because it makes me look to what I believe more closely to re-examine it, which kind of leads me to what I'm going to speak about this week. This week, I'm going to talk about why I believe that the Bible is a reliable resource for my conversation about what I believe about Jesus. 
because honestly, the Bible's pretty much my only resource on the life of Jesus. I'm using as a foundation for what I'm going to talk about today, a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. He was an agnostic who thought that religion and Christianity in particular was a sham and a scam. And he set out to prove that. He wrote a book called More Than a Carpenter, and he details a journey of how he moved from agnosticism to Christianity as a belief system. And it happened while he set out to prove that Christianity was foolish. So today, I'm going to be quoting from his book, uh, From Evidence That Demands a Verdict. According to Mr. McDowell, he says, For any particular work or collection of works, the greater the number and the earlier the dating of the manuscripts, the easier it is to reconstruct a text closer to the original and to identify errors or discrepancies in subsequent copies. In other words, if we're going to rely on any ancient manuscript, the more references we find to that manuscript, the more copies of that manuscript we find, the more confidence we can have and that we can assign to these manuscripts as to their content. Mr. McDowell continues. Now, the importance of the sheer number of manuscripts and early quotations of scripture from church fathers cannot be overstated. As with other documents of ancient literature, we don't have any original manuscripts of the Bible. Fortunately, however, the abundance of manuscript copies makes it very possible to reconstruct the original text with virtually complete accuracy. And not only do we have an abundance of manuscripts, we have an abundance of quotations, other writers quoting portions of the scripture in their writings. There is a ton of evidence out there to show that the New Testament that we have today is accurate. Now, on the basis of manuscript tradition alone, the works that make up the Christian New Testament, Mr. McDowell says, are the most frequently copied and widely circulated books of antiquity. The authenticity of the New Testament text we have today rests on a foundation of a massive amount of historical documentation. Now, other ancient manuscripts have much fewer copies in, exi in existence, and yet it's still enough for us to believe and accept the reliability of those authors. New Testament scholars, biblical linguistic experts, A. Stanley Porter and Andrew Pitts, observe that when compared with other works of antiquity, the New Testament has far greater numerical and earlier documentation than any other book. Most of the available works of antiquity have only a few manuscripts that, add to the, that attest to their existence. And these are typically much later than the original date of the composition. It's not uncommon for the earliest manuscript of some of these ancient works to be dated 900 years after the original composition. And we accept that. We have so many copies of the New Testament manuscripts, so many references to New Testament manuscripts that we can say with a great degree of certainty that the New Testament we have today is an accurate reproduction of the original, even though we don't have those originals anymore. In my opinion, the authenticity of the New Testament text is unparalleled. So based on that, when I start next week's episode on what I believe about Jesus, I'm going to be calling upon the Gospels 
For today, I just want you to know that I believe the New Testament is a reliable source of information. I understand that generally speaking, I'm preaching to the choir here. Most people listening to these podcasts are Christians, so this is no big deal to you. But if by chance there's somebody listening that is not a Christian, I would ask you one thing. Do what I did years ago, and believe it or not, I'm still doing. Look at the evidence. Look the evidence over on your own. Don't be afraid to regularly, or at least occasionally, look at the writings of people who disagree with you. That's the only way you can prevent the bias bubble. I am constantly re-examining what I believe. Join me in that re-examination. And I would seriously suggest that if you're in any way academically intrigued by what I talked about today's podcast, get the book by Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. He doesn't preach, believe it or not. He has extensively researched what we have only touched on here, and he documents and cites hundreds of sources to back up his conclusions. You can get it easily enough on Amazon for your Kindle app, or you can buy the hard copy. It's an incredible read. Well, that's a good place to stop. Next week, we're going to look at what Jesus believed about himself. What did Jesus say about Jesus? Until then, I'm Paige. Is my coffee. It's still very good. I'm out of here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.